Welcome to the movie, mu- what is that called? Musical Movie Marathon with your hosts, David and Andrew. And um, we have just finished watching Guys and Dolls. So it, it has been amazing. And on our journey through the history of musicals, we've skipped a decade. <laughs> uh, and it, we could tell. And, and um, we were saying immediately after watching this that it's like we wish that we had uh, read up some history or something before we watched this or after before doing this podcast because we're not quite sure what to say and I I get that and I was looking through the history during the show I confess (laughs) I wanted to do it just beforehand but we were already put it on and Frank Sinatra and Marlon Brando are the big names oh, in yeah. this in this musical. This musical was written was produced in 1950, the movie in 1955. Yep. And Brando was already a big star by then. Oh yeah. He had at the start of this decade done his his awesome streetcar named desire, I All think right. it was. Go on. That's right. That was 1951, I believe. And he brought I think he brought that same energy into his performance here, and I I'm, I love that um, form of acting. And Frank Sinatra certainly learned a lot from him, and I could tell, I could see Brando's influence on Frankie's acting in this piece. Frankie had been in movie musicals for a decade by this point, saying that we could have watched High Society before we... But that's not as famous of a musical, and we've got a short time before I I move on. Um, I move out, I should say. (laughs) Um, But we uh, chose Guys and Dolls because it... Well, I wanted to see it because it's a jazz musical. That's one of the reasons that I wanted to see it. And so we've, up to this point, we've seen very kind of theatrical movie musicals uh, in, the, in, in terms of the style of the music. Mm-hmm. It's been kind of operatic mm-hmm. but just easier to listen to than an actual opera song. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing that we, we should comment on before we before I hand it off to you, Dad, mm-hmm. is that the last film that we watched, Wizard of Oz, I believe, mm-hmm. in, was produced in 1939. It was. And so this is 15 years later. What's mm-hmm. the difference? What uh, What is the same and what has changed? Mm-hmm. And what do you think has... What do you think influenced that change? Or where do musicals go from here? And what does Guys and Dolls reflect about shows and... and and that, and that's all coming up. But first, Dad, general thoughts. Oh, general thoughts. Oh wow. Um, I just adore this musical. I always have. I was so pleased to get it, especially um, and especially to find that Marlon Brando was the lead. Frank Sinatra, a very young Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I was supposed to hang with Marlon. Uh, yeah, doing doing so well in it. Um, this. You know, you could say, well, why guys and dolls? You know, why not high society and some of those other things? Well, this this show is so um, is, is is important to me because this show is still being performed mm. on stage. Uh, high schools are still doing it, um, and you'll find some other amateur societies still doing it. It is a fun show. Mm. It's still relevant. What are we looking at? Uh, 70 years later the music is great as you say the music I think one of the big things about this one is the music is contemporary right it's not uh, fixed in a classic style of what musical music should be it's it's upbeat it's fun it's a, a lot of comedy songs um, not too many 
um, sort of uh, self-reflection areas. <clears throat> it's a lot of fun. Yes, the story is very sexist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Um, and this particular film is just so stylized. It's it's fun right from the very start. We've got some stylized dancing, mm. stylized mm. set. It's it's straight out of a cartoon, yes. <laughs> and I love it for that. Yeah, so that's my general impression. Okay, great. Well, I'd love to talk about the style. Um, on two things, the dance. I was expecting that Broadway wouldn't produce that kind of dance oh. until West Side Story. Uh-huh. And I was wrong. Um, clearly, this has got the same thing that West Side Story had. Mm-hmm. And so everyone hailed West Side Story as being mm-hmm. innovative dancing. Mm-hmm. When Guys and Dolls did it first. Yeah. Um, and maybe even Oklahoma did it before that and with, with their dance break. Something was really interesting about this was that the barrier or the... the, the the boundary between the dance scenes and the realistic scenes mm-hmm. were fairly close. Yeah. What I mean by that is that they, they were distinct. Yeah. You could tell when it was a dance piece yeah. and when it was a naturalistic piece. But there was a blend. There was a, a blur of that line. Now, in terms of it being cartoonish, I think that was something that um, people say about the producers as well, the 2001 movie. They say that it's not a very good movie because it's too much like the stage show and I think a lot of the stage show of Guys and Dolls came into this production of the movie in a way that a normal movie can't get away with. Right. And part of that could have been just the cinematographic style Mm -hmm. in that there were a lot of wide two shots and Mm -hmm. other, other types of wide frames we're multiple cameras, and we're, we're used to, in our modern day, a lot of close-ups. Yeah. Um, and so that was different. Mm-hmm. And the other kind of plasticness about the way that they were speaking and the way that they were... Because um, even the comedy was very... It, it, was, it was very tongue-in-cheek. It was very obvious, hey, yeah. here's a joke moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that doesn't happen as much in movies mm. uh, anymore. Maybe it used to. There's a lot of it. That reminded me of, uh, I guess, the Laurel and Hardy stuff, but I haven't even seen any of that, but I just know that reference. But the slapstick, kind of black and white, um, Charlie Chapman style um, uh, physical comedy, uh, especially in the opening number with the dancing. And something that just was amusing to me the whole time was the way that these basically gangsters were talking and and they were talking <laughs> in a way that nobody talks maybe that's just me but i think that nobody talks in the same way they were they were pronouncing every word properly mm-hmm. um in their own accent in the gangster accent but still a lot of them were speaking as if they were saying lines that's what i felt yeah. and 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 you know brando managed to push through mm most of the time mm. and Frankie also pushed through most of the time but yeah. with Frankie like because he's such an entertainer yeah. it's it's totally believable when you're watching him yeah. for him to say lines that sound like they're coming out of an entertainer on a stage rather than a person on a screen. Any comments about my comments? Oh, gosh, you've said so much. Um, (laughs) Yes, so much that I want to comment on. Um, Absolutely. um, And I really like your idea. Yeah, I like it. The the fact that 
Um, the the movie embraced the unreality of the story by creating an unreal world. So this, well, I said it was sort of cartoon style, but um, yeah, it was very definite. It was very defined. Uh, a joke was definitely a joke. The accents were definitely <laughs> accents and, and so on, you know. Um, and for example, with the pronunciation, they, they would say things like, oh, I cannot, yes. rather than saying I can't or, you know, anything like that. And they spoke very formally. Yes. Uh, would you be disappointing me? And all these kinds of uh, very clear phrases. Um, and, and yeah, so I was really pretty pleased that they went with this uh, this unreal world and they didn't try to make it um, realistic and earthy and gritty and they, they went with the, the plastic, if you like, the cartoon nature of it. Great, good call. Here's a lesson for modern movie makers. In terms of the dancing, I was interested that the dance components of the songs that we that had dancing came first came before the singing. So the opening number, you expect a big chorus number from an, an, you know, an old show like this. Uh, yes, after the dance. Mm. So we've, and yes, okay, we've got credits going, but most of the credits are done before uh, the, the movie starts, uh, the action in the movie starts. And we start with dance. We've got um, an, basically an overture. <laughs> and and we're sitting and it's introducing the characters. We see the pickpockets, we see the ladies of the night, we see um, all the scammers of various kinds and, and tons of gamblers. Gambling was obviously the big thing that they were trying to get across. And yeah, and so it was a dance introduction of these characters and the setting and this environment uh, with the overture. Tell us about the Luck Be A Lady dance. Uh, the Luck Be A Lady dance, yeah. That was... That was so West Side Story. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can just... West Side Story just plagiarised heavily <laughs> <laughs> off this one. So um, the other thing is um, with, with the Luck Be A Lady dance, it's performed all by men. And the dance in the show, in this particular movie, is uh, separated um, by sex. So the women dance, they do two big dance numbers. Uh, and, and just women... And the guys do this big luck be a lady um, dance in the sewer. Um, and it's really athletic. It's guys dancing. It's not guys pretending to do lyrical stuff. They're spinning, they're jumping, they're leaping, they're falling on the floor. Yeah, it's it's very athletic. And it's again it's stylized and yeah, it's and it's really appropriate. And the comment I made to David during the movie after the dance was that the story that was conveyed in the dance was the story that was then going to be acted out in the show, because I know the show. And and that's exactly what happened, which is really cool. Um, another uh, stylized uh, dancing, which was over the top and hilarious, and some could say was racist, um, was the scene in, in Cuba, where there's, um, they do a... They don't really send it up. They just do a stylized form of Latin dancing. And it's nowhere near anything like the real Latin dancing. And I think that's probably a good thing because they've, again, kept in with this idea that this is fiction. Mm. So, you know, we're not trying to make it uh, real. However, the two main characters, uh, Skymaster Stin and... Frankie. No, 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 the, the love interest. Oh, love interest, Sarah Brown. Sarah Brown, Sergeant Sarah Brown. They were the most realistic characters. Yeah. And so they 
Uh, They stood out because they didn't buy into and follow this sort of cartoon, plastic, unreal um, nature that everyone else was. Uh, And that was really important, that that worked, because they brought the pathos. They had the beautiful, sweet love songs. Um, They had the great uh, melodies that stick in your head. And it was really appropriate. So uh, even if the people around her were... Well, all, all the other characters were nice and flat. Weird. Yep, and and that was great. And they stuck to it. They didn't change. There was no arc. <laughs> the baddies were baddies at the start and the baddies at the end <laughs> and and so on. Yeah, so I think style-wise they made a good choice. Great to see the dancing up first and not as an also-ran. Great to see story told in dance. And I think really good choice to keep the leads realistic. Um, I was and still am um, impressed with Marlon Brando's singing. Mm. Having seen Guys and Dolls on stage several times, uh, done very well, the um, the songs that his character sings, done by people on stage, are always big numbers and they're always good singers and they always sing it really well. Well, singing is not Marlon Brando's uh, strong point, but he does it in an authentic way and he does it really, um, really well. But, it, but it's not the big overt singing that we expect and got from Frank. Now, my last comment, um, uh, which aligning with what you said about uh, Frankie's singing, at several points here, I could close my eyes and hear Frankie as you would hear him on a recording. Mm. You know, just his style, his pronunciation and his, his famous phrasing. And yeah, so, so that was really neat to see, to hear that from young Frankie. There is very much a, a very, very good singer um, at that point, which is why he's in the number two role there. And so, yeah, great, great production, um, good casting and great music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would love to talk about the music next. What are your comments on it? Oh, no, no, you go. I had a uh, Yeah, I know, but I don't have anything to say <laughs> about the music, <laughs> apart from the fact that I love that it's jazz. And it stays jazz, and I think that that aids the story it's telling. The thing that I haven't said about the style is that it's very stylistically period. And it it is, because it is a a 1950s movie or set during the, not not really the age of speakeasies, but the age of, of, you know, um, moral uprightness being such a, a massive talked about issue, uh, especially with the, the church being such a, a major player and kind of, what what are the women's, the, the women's, women against drinking, what's that called? Sobriety? No. Temperance union. Anyway, there's, there's the, an organisation that was massive in the 50s, mm. which actually got New Zealand the vote. Oh, you're partly. Partly. Well, got New Zealand women the vote, is what I'm saying. Anyway, those social issues being up front in this beautiful, classically cheesy movie. But the thing is about the cheese Mm -hmm. is that it's appropriate. And it felt like the movie was mocking itself as it was going along. And that was, that made the cheesiness of it palatable. Mm -hmm. And it made it because it was talking about high issues, important issues about gender relations and things like that. Because of that, when it 
was you know making fun of making light of stuff or or talking down or or being plastic or being just fake about we knew that it was doing that for a reason it was using that fakeness to comment on these these issues and and that was really appropriate for to be so flat it reminded me of the grand budapest hotel directed by Wes Anderson and other Wes Anderson films. But what do you think about the music? Oh, great, great music. Yeah, I do want to say something about uh, just what you mm. to comment on what you finished on about the movie taking itself not too seriously. Um, it still was uh, a modern, not a postmodern movie, so it never broke the fourth wall, it never looked straight at the camera and said stuff, but it was commenting on its... It was com- The characters were commenting on their situation and on themselves and others as characters to each other so they were yeah they they were they were definitely aware and and they made the audience aware that they knew what they were doing that they yeah so that was really fun it was good to see that so while they were making fun of their characters they stayed in character doing it Mm. so which i really like yeah as i said there's some beautiful um love songs here some great tunes from frank loisa and some really fun chorus numbers brilliant but for me, the standout feature of the music in this movie is the comedy. There is so much musical comedy in this movie. It is just great. Poking fun at the, uh, the society, that the situation they're in, whether it's the police or the, um, the Save Our Souls mission or whatever it might be. The women's songs, uh, poking fun at uh, relationships. Um, and of course, the standout comedian is Miss Adeline as the character. Adelaide. Yeah, Adelaide. Yeah, and uh, and she is that that role is a coveted role and and um, really fought after by um, actresses <laughs> because it's it's this wonderful comic role and they can really take it to town. I suppose the the closest or the most recent one that I know of um, that sort of mirrors that kind of role is the one in the plant that eats people yeah 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 um the little shop of horrors shop of horrors so there's there's a woman character in that very similar to this one yeah and and so um miss adelaide has these great numbers very memorable with with lots of uh, lots of fun and of course the end of it um she her last number is a duet with frank sinatra Mm -hmm. which again is is memorable you you will go away you'll recognize these tunes when you watch the movie and you will finish the movie, you know, humming these tunes and remembering them. They are really good, well done, um, and really well orchestrated. Even sit down, sit down, you're rocking a boat. I mean, there's not a lot to, <laughs> to it, but it was a really good ending. Oh, the other thing you said it was it was jazz. It was also a big band. Yes. So there was some great big band, lots of trumpets and lots of brass and and. Um, some great big band arrangements here. I would even just go to a concert of this. Even, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great music. And you can tell because it's lasted, people are still doing it mm, today. Yeah. yeah. I think that that highlights something about musicals, that when the music is good, is stellar, then the musical lasts. Mm. Greatest Showman will last because everybody loves that soundtrack. Okay. Well, I'm not sure, actually, will the soundtrack last? But I know that the movie was popular because the soundtrack was popular. Similar with Dear Evan Hansen, though I think that that's partly because a lot of people can't actually get out to Broadway in order to see Dear Evan Hansen, and so the soundtrack is the only thing that can be universally popular. But it goes to show, music sells the show and keeps it. And it had a lot of songs that were thematically linked 
even though they weren't necessary for the story. Uh, one example of that is that probably the most important song in the show in terms of the theme is uh, only doing it for some doll. And that scene has not much to do with the plot, but that song has everything to do with the movie. Yeah, it is the opening song. It is, is it? Yeah, yeah, and really? it has a reprise later on. Uh, yeah. what, what about the betting song? The, 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 the song where they're talking about the horses? Oh, true, okay. Yeah, I'm sure it comes up a couple of times in the movie. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, is this movie much different from the stage show? No, actually it's not. It's very, very similar to the stage show. Um, the movie does go to Havana, which the stage show doesn't. Well, oh. the, the visions of the stage show I was seeing don't go to Havana. So we, we don't get any of that scene at all. Wow, but the, she does go on a date with him. Yeah, so they walk off stage together and they come back together. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, so we don't see any of the, the Havana um, scenes at all. Um, everything else is bang on. Well, even the song that they... The song that she hums that they heard in Havana, he sings in English... <sighs> Maybe not that one, not having been in it, can't really remember. The song is, um, your um, eyes yeah. betray you that you're in love, that sh- that's a woman in love. Actually, probably they do. No, no, that's probably in. Yep. 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 Wow. Yep. No, those are great songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, what's interesting is that they haven't changed a lot, which movies often change a lot. Yes, they do. And th- I could tell that it was when they were in Havana yeah, I was thinking, oh, something here is different. What about the song that they sing in Havana? The 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 one about the bell ringing. Yeah. The uh, if that I was is, a bell, I'd be ringing. Yeah, that I have heard that one before. Because the other thing that was happening at this time was that these um, movie musical songs were being released as soundtracks. Yeah. Famous soundtracks. A little later comes My Fair Lady, South Pacific, huge release. You know, very popular. Oklahoma. Uh, and so on. So, yeah, it's likely, again, that this was released, the soundtrack was played on the radio, in people's homes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that, that bells ringing song in Havana, I have heard before. Mm. Mm. I mean, I've heard it before as well, but um, if, if that scene in Havana wasn't... Because that song f- almost felt like it didn't gel with me, but maybe it was just the portrayal of women in that song. Yeah, it was... It's her love song. It's her love song, yeah. but it, it, I don't know where it, where it would have been oh. in the movie, in the musical rather, if they didn't go to Havana. Oh, it's likely she sang it on the apron or something like that, with the clothes curtain behind her that's just setting a new scene. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is another interesting trope, right? So a musical has a curtain, and this will happen in the old-fashioned shows where they had these massive sets where mm. they have to move on really slowly. You would have one character singing their piece without a set. They yeah. just have this red curtain behind them. Sure. And so the audience would have to imagine that they are in their room or that they're in their mind or whatever and they're singing the song. Um, where you don't have that in a movie sure. and you almost, you almost couldn't have that in a movie unless you had uh, a kind of dream sequence where the character stood on a stage like they do in Chicago. Yeah, so what they would have to do there is to, is to, uh, is to think very carefully about, okay, so this song, which was normally sung just in front of the curtain, how are we going to stage that? Where are we going to put it? At what point, um, you know, what, what placing are there? Where are people going to stand? How are we going to film this? Um, and I think they've made this movie has made some really good choices about that. Yeah. 
Great clothes too, by the way. Great, great <laughs> costumes. Great costumes. Um, do you have anything else that you wanted to say about it? Uh, oh, look, one thing we haven't said is that's the script is just so clever. That uh, they've got all this, like for, they've got this running gag about a gold watch, for example, that goes right through the yes. whole movie. Yes. Um, and all of the the story, the references to bad bets or bets yeah. uh, that are taken out of the context of yeah. actual gambling and into life. Yes. Yep. It's just it's so well written. So, so okay. So what's the winning formula here? Why do I love it so much? You've got great music. You've got some great fun flat characters. You've got great script got great performers obviously and you've got this uh, this make-believe world in, in which you're allowed to you know burst out singing you can have three people singing different words in the one song at the same time yes. and and it's fun yeah no and of course it's for me the big thing is it's high energy yeah yeah yes. and I know stu- people who have done this show yeah they're, they're worn out because <laughs> it's really it's so much high energy yeah it's fast paced which is what we want in movies yes. to then today you know um, unless it's an art film, we want super fast pace. Um, what you said before about three people singing different words at the same time mm-hmm. um, and it being all right, I, that's what I want. The first ten minutes of this movie, I was living the dream. I was like, this is, this is what I want from movie musicals. There's dancing in real life representing what's going on in real life. Yep. There's these guys singing three different tunes that, you know, harmonise with each other and they're singing about real life. They're singing, they're representing what happens in real life. People arguing about which racehorse is going to win. Yeah. And you, you don't need to hear the words even though they are singing relevant words and the, the soundtrack did that for you, that it, it amplified one person singing yes. when, when that line was... You know, relevant, yes, um, and and that was good because we need that yep. when we're listening to anything. But uh, it was also amazing to see uh, that's what I want in a musical. I want a real people to really um, and and I, I've said this before, but I've meant it in a different way. What I mean this time is is I want real life portrayed in song and dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another example of that is the duet between Frank Sinatra and. Uh, the Adelaide character, um, where she's got this lovely comic song. She's got a whole lot of words to sing really quickly, and then she's got this whine, yeah. and um, and it's just wonderful, uh, just so well written. And then uh, Frank Sinatra's character comes out with this this again this magical sort of response to that, yeah. and just he never finishes the response. Because every time he's about to finish, Miss Adelaide's character interrupts, like you would in real life, and comes in with this this accusation, basically, <laughs> before she goes into her wine again. And and it's just I love that that sort of hey, let's put a little bit of real life into our uh, into our comedy songs. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Oh, just excellent. The other thing about this movie and this musical is that it's so Broadway, and I think that that's a trope for musicals to have to be about New York in some way. So we've got, for example, in recent years, we've had In the Heights and Hamilton, both of which are set in New York. (laughs) And so there's this glorification or this fascination or this because you're in New York watching this show you like it when the characters reference New York now the this happens the same in 42nd Street and it also happens in in this this musical quite a bit they reference the fact that they are on especially the mission agency on 
um, Broadway. on Broadway. And we noticed that it was filmed in a set mm. that was probably like a back lot yeah. that was probably LA. <laughs> and yeah, to yeah. me, it looked very LA. And so yeah. it was so <laughs> incongruous to see a obvious, I think it was MGM too, an, an MGM musical, yeah. but filmed, uh, but about Broadway. And so it was weird. It was a Hollywood movie about uh, what's going on. And that reflects part of the, the disconnect. I had to get into the zone of, right. of watching this. I, was, I had to say, okay, I'm watching a representation of a musical. Yeah. So it's less of a movie and more of a representation of a, of a show. And, and yeah. that's something that I, I want more movies to get right, is, is to be their own thing rather than just a copy of the stage show. Right. Because right, that's the very, you know, that's a theme that we've had in most of our podcasts is, you know, should the, the movie have been more realistic or more movie-like or should it have been more like the stage show? And, and you know, the um, Newsies comes to mind where it's, it is a stage show that, that's being filmed, but they're filming it like they would film a film, not like they would film a stage show in the cinematography. So, yeah, I think it's a tricky decision and I think it's important to, to think about exactly how you can, why you should do it one way or another or uh, the mix that you, you're getting. I really, again, like the, the decision the director's made to say, okay, let's do it plastic. Yeah. Let's do it as close to a stage show as we can, remembering that it is still a film, we need to do some cinematography. Um, I slightly disagree. I I think that you can only do Guys and Dolls in a stylized way. Yeah, true. Yeah. And uh, if they had been uh, a little bit more clever with this, or a little bit maybe more developed with the cinematography, maybe a little less formulaic with their two shots or whatever, they could have made it feel more like a movie than a, than a stage show but um, and, and still kept up that, that fakeness that okay. is ne- necessary for telling the story in the first place when we get to something like Hamilton or the Newsies that you were talking about you reminded me and you made me think that I actually prefer pro shots to movie musicals I would rather see a filmed performance of a stage show than a movie of a stage show unless the movie was trying to be more like a movie than a stage show. So I think that's one of the reasons why Tom Hooper's Cats works for me is that it's trying to be a movie rather than... Mm. And and I still think there's a lot of things wrong with that film. Um, But it's at the same time as that, Cats, the the 1990s version of of the the movie. No, was it 2000? Anyway, they, they filmed a performance on a soundstage yeah. was basically a live performance, except they did multiple takes and, and yeah. stuff. And, and, but the the set doesn't move, the set no. doesn't change, the camera doesn't change from in front of the stage. And so it was basically a pro shot. Yeah. And I love both of those, okay. but obviously the the pro shot is better because they they know how to do it. They're, they're filming a show. Whereas with Cats, it was so hard to get right mm. because it was a movie. It wasn't a filmed stage show. Mm. Um, any thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, what you were saying before about um, Guys and Dolls has to be done uh, the way it is already done. Um, it can't be really 
put into a more realistic sort of setting. Well, because then it would be blatantly sexist. And I think that the way that it represents women in this, uh, and even men, is is yeah. so plastic yeah. that if it was trying to be in real life, then it would be unfair on men and women because it's so unrealistic. Yeah, I think you can you can argue the same for um, some stage shows. Some stage shows would actually lend themselves to being filmed on stage. Right, yeah. Um, and yet other stage shows work very well as a movie. For example, Hairspray works very well as a movie. Grease works very well as a movie. Um, yet some shows like Hamilton, I think, are better to be watched um, film the, the film on stage. We get the, um, the revolver in there. We get some other bits and pieces in there. We, we see, uh, you know, the, the starkness of the set is actually really important to Hamilton, which, of course, you wouldn't get if you put it, um, took, yeah. if you took it off stage. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I think it's, it's very much depends on that musical and the character of the musical as to whether um, it would be better on stage or off you know, in, in uh, real locations. If I'm allowed to get a bit personal here and, and digress, that type of movie that I'm interested in making is what you're saying is the type of musical that is not going to work as a movie, whereas the musicals like Grease and Guys and Dolls and what's the other one you said, that work well as movies are the type of films that I'm not as interested in making. If you didn't know, listener, then I, I want to go to film school soon and, and learn how to make movies and I don't want to put musicals on the screen and then that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this um, podcast. And, and that flatness portrayed on screen makes it really easy to get away with the fact that it's a musical on screen. Yeah. Um, but it, it's that in-depth, real-life kind of stuff that, that I'm really interested in, in portraying. Cool. Um, I think another comment for me is that another reason for putting a musical on a soundstage or a back lot um, is when the setting of the musical is actually just too hard to film in realistically. Mm. And New York, uh, doing a musical in New York is just too hard for, to do realistically. I mean, when you hear the stories of how they did La La Land, you know, closing down the freeways for, I think they had like a morning... <laughs> to do it and and the one time and that was it the only and they just did it over and over and it was just horrific trying to do it um you, yeah it's you simply cannot you know do that m movie on location it has to be done you know guys and dolls has to be done on a on a sound stage of all backlot of some sort so um which is why i think newsies works well as a stage show because they can make that however they want. Mm. Yeah, and yes, of course, New York is really important to the story, you yeah. know. Um, and so they can represent that however they like, and they do. Yeah. You know, do we make this uh, this this musical uh, a film of the stage show, or do we make it a film in its own right? Um, those are some of the um, just the things to come into into the decision. You know, is it possible to film on the actual location? How flat are the characters? Can we actually, you know, put this in a um, in a realistic sort of hairspray, grace, uh, um, grease kind of uh, way, or is it just so involved that you know it is best on a stage show where we can actually on a stage where we can manipulate absolutely everything? Right. Mm. Uh, and I think that that's one of the major differences between this show and the 1960s shows like Hair, like Godspell, uh, where they really did film on location mm. in Central Park, New York, 
they filmed one of the scenes, one of the songs of Godspell on the Twin Towers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, and, they, and they used uh, well, digressing into Godspell. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure they actually filmed like really early in the morning before the traffic got there because the streets were just empty. Um, and I, I don't think you could do that today. Mm, probably not. The, um, but that highlights the difference between this 1955 and those 1960s, 70s musicals. This is intentionally fake mm. and it uses that fakeness for effect. Mm. And people in the 60s wanted a different form of reality. I'm not saying that this is not reality. It is. Mm. It's representing these, yeah. like we said, universal themes, yeah. but it's doing so in a fake way. Whereas in the 60s and 70s, we wanted more grungy, yeah. more realistic portrayals of these things. We wanted the honesty of this is how it really is. Watch this. Mm. I'm not trying to comment on it. I'm just trying to show you it. And that's how we get wonderful developments and new developments in theatre. Yeah. Okay, I think that's all I need to say about Guys and Dolls. Um, go see it again. It's great music, great story to me, to me, to me. It's really good. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I Again, like we said before, I wish that we'd watched other films other in order to get a, a better kind of build up into this one. Yeah. We, we did skip 15 years, but I'm really glad that we, we watched this because it is such a um, dramatic change between Wizard of Oz and this, you know. Yeah. Um, and we're about to come up to Singing in the Rain, which I don't want to miss. Oh, it's classic. I just, yeah, I can't wait. I can't. Yeah. Awesome. But Great. until then, uh, I'm David. I'm Andrew, and it's good night from me, and it's good night from him. Good night. Good night. <laughs>